Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I'll be interviewing Mayora Souza. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. So where did you grow up? I actually grew up in Brazil, where I am back to now. I just came back to Brazil last September, this couple of months ago. And I'm visiting and, you know, reconnecting to everybody and bringing my practice down here. Oh, so where did you move to when you moved from Brazil? I moved to the U.S. So I moved there on my mid-20s about 11 years ago. I moved to Boston and I lived there for several years and then I went to Seattle for a while and then I ended up in Florida. So I just came back from Florida a couple of months ago. Oh, because I know um, Boston, that's an interesting place to move to because it gets super cold there. Mm -hmm. It was very cold, but it was cool, though, because, you know, it's like everybody talks about Boston. It does have the four seasons and you do see the difference, like in Brazil, for instance, it's pretty much warm, you know, all year round. In the winter, it gets a little bit chilly, but no chance of snow and, you know, heavy cold. So it's nice for a change to be able to really see the change of the four seasons. That was a beautiful experience. True. And when you were growing up, did you grow up with both parents? No, my father um, passed away when I was four, actually. So you were raised primarily with your mom. Yeah, and and that's the thing, too. My mom was also not very present because, you know, when my dad passed, it was me and two brothers for her to raise. So she had to travel, you know, for work and and to be able to provide. She wasn't very present either. So this is one of the things that's kind of like part of my story that took me to the healing that I do today. It was the difficulty in childhood because there was no structure. You know, my dad was an alcoholic, passed away when I was four. My mom was also a heavy drinker that had to travel to be able to make ends meet at home. And we just grew up, you know, kind of like the neighbors would come and check in on us and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty, it was a pretty rough childhood because of that. There was a very big lack of structure. So it was like almost that you all were kind of fending for yourself. Where were you? Are you in the birth order? Where you say that again? Uh, where are you in the birth order? You said you had two siblings? Yes. Uh, so I have two older brothers. One okay. is 10 years older than me and the other one is three. Okay, got you. So you uh, alluded to it moments ago, um, uh, your childhood. You had a really traumatic childhood. Um, are you able to talk a little bit about it? Yeah. So because of that lack of structure, you know, no adults around, uh, we kind of grew up, you know, going around and in the neighborhood, but kind of like free range in the neighborhood. So I had a neighbor that abused, um, you know, me and some other girls. And, you know, even at home, uh, the neighborhood that I came from, it's more like of a poor neighborhood. And there was a lot of alcohol. It's, it's, Now, as an adult, it's easier, it's clearer for me to see how much uh, the alcohol has an effect, you know, on people in that area. It's it's huge, you know, like my father died young. My father had 37 years old when he had a heart attack and passed away. 
And that wasn't an isolated case. You know, alcohol is very heavy in that area, which brings, you know, a lot of, you know, it's very deceiving, the, the behavior of the people. It's very deceiving. It brings up a lot of aggression. So <clears throat> it wasn't like an easy neighborhood to be around. So there was abuse and I wasn't an isolated case either. You know, I know that that neighbor abused other people and even like the older boys in the neighborhood also abused the little girls. And, you know, in my house, my mom was also a heavy drinker. You, you, there was a lot of like aggressive behavior in my house as well. So we grew up, you know, just going around and go to a neighbor, go to another and all that. And then when I grew up a little bit more and it started my teen years, I was 12, 13 years old. I already started drinking. So it, it brought that, you know, that behavior to my teenage years. And, you know, just like a lot of uneducated decisions, you know, that just took me on a path that wasn't very healthy for, <clears throat> for many, many years throughout my child, my my teenage years and my 20s until I finally moved to America and started kind of like, you know, going back to myself and started my healing and my whole process. And what was it that prompted the move from Brazil to America? Yeah, so that's an interesting story because it, it was pretty much the abuse that was happening when I was a kid. Life was just so difficult and, you know, there was a lot of suffering. There was a lot of pain. And we watch, you know, stuff from America because the movies go everywhere. And there was this illusion of watching, you know, happy families and loving parents and, and all of that. So there was this illusion that over there things could be better, you know. So my whole life I always wanted to move and I always tried the visa and it was very difficult to get it. And But I would, you know, just keep on trying. I would work, I would save some money, go back to the consulate, try again, until I finally got it on my mid-20s. That's when I went. And it was interesting because once I got there, you know, for the beginning, the first, I don't know, few months or so, it's kind of like living in this fantasy, right? Like something that you dreamed your whole life and, and then you, you're finally there. But then <laughs> pretty soon I realized that if I wouldn't change, nothing really would change, you know, because I, I picked myself up out of Brazil and placed myself in America thinking that everything is going to shift just because I'm in a different place. And that's very unrealistic. I realized very soon that, you know, the change was in me. I needed to make the change so that, you know, things could change in my life. So soon enough, I realized that it's when I started my, my own process of change. So many people think that they can change the outside there and they will change the inside, but life doesn't work like that. We have yeah. to change the inside out, like the movie <laughs> Inside Out. That's uh, right. Yeah. And what did you move to Boston by yourself? No, that's that's another <laughs> it's a whole story too. So as I was always trying the visa and, and it was so difficult to, to get it. And one of the things that they would say is that you're too young, you know, and they don't want you to go because you're going to get the American jobs and all the blah, blah, blah that they say. My brother was 10 years older than me. And he also tried a visa and he's got it first, you know, older. And they say it's easier. So he's got it first and he went first. So he ended up going to Boston because I think he knew someone from our city that had gone there. So he went there because he knew someone and ended up staying and he got married and, you know, just kind of created roots and ended up staying. So when I finally got the visa, that's 
how we decided to go. And the story of how we finally got the visa was for my brother's wedding. He sent out the invitation for us here in Brazil. And, you know, the rest of the family, my mom, my other brother, um, at the time, my daughter's father, my daughter, everybody, we got the, the visa all together to come up for his his wedding. And then we ended up applying, you know, to stay and everybody stayed. And then eventually one would come back and then the other. And now it's only that brother is still remains in America. And I, my, my daughter and I just came back a couple of months ago. We, we plan to be kind of back and forth, see if I can, you know, work here six months and then go back there and stay for six months. We'll see. We're kind of letting life take us where we're needed. <laughs> okay, I understand. And you mentioned that you began drinking around 12, 13 years old as well. Uh, when did you stop, uh, you know, abusing alcohol? Yeah, so when we moved, when we got there, I was, I think, 26. So I, it's funny how, like, when you are a drinker, that's the type of people you're going to meet, right? Because of the places you go, the things that you do. So I would go to bars, and then we would go to clubs and stuff like that. So I met the people that also drink. And I kind of, like, got involved in that life in Boston for the first few years until I was getting close to 30. And I feel like the, the fact that I was going to change houses from the 20s to 30s it started kind of scaring me because of my father's heart attack at 37. So this, you know, still little voice inside of me started kind of getting louder and louder. Like, what are you doing? You know, you're doing the same things. You know, you're not going to have a very good outcome. So I was always a very big researcher, always wanting to figure out, you know, how to live healthier, how to, how to do things better. And I started researching on heart condition because I was afraid because of my father's premature death. And I came across the realization that I came across epigenetics, you know, the, Dr. Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton and all these people talking about mind over matter and how our environment influences, you know, how the cells react and all that. And that kind of gave me the power back that, you know, if I change my lifestyle, I don't need necessarily to develop the same conditions as it's already in my family. The genes are responsible for a very small, you know, percentage of developing something. And doing this research, I started kind of like figuring out how to change lifestyle. And I came across, you know, the practices that that really helps meditation, journaling, gratitude, gratitude exercises, more exercise, um, eating cleaner. And, you know, through starting doing all of that, I was able to eliminate the alcohol. I did work with plant medicine as well, ceremonies with the plants and, you know, all, all of that help. It really helps to get rid of addictions. And so I would say it was about that time, like 30 to very early 30s, I started eliminating in about I don't know, several months, less than a year, I was already free of alcohol and eating pretty clean, you know, exercising, doing yoga every day. I'm pretty disciplined. So once I decide to bring in something into my routine, I kind of get used to it very quickly. So it, it didn't take me like too, too long once I have decided to change my lifestyle to really shift and start taking better care of myself. It was, it was rather quick. You know, often uh, healing is a journey. Now you have people 
who sometimes get healed instantaneously from things, but more often than not, it's a journey as you spoke of just now. Mm-hmm. And you, you have a history of being physically abused, mentally abused, sexually abused. And was there, how long was that journey of, I guess, forgiveness? Because you were actually taken advantage of being a child and these things happened to you. And mm-hmm. was there, you know, bitterness or hate or how was that for you that mental anguish that I know you had to overcome Mm -hmm. that was actually quite interesting because once I started researching this stuff I started researching healing trauma and what had happened was that I forgot a lot of my childhood and and through my research, I realized that that's very common so that we can function in the world, right? Without those heavy memories, we kind of block that stuff in our brain. And through my work with several different types of meditation and working with the sacred plants and doing plant medicine, I kind of opened up again, freed up again, that pathway that I could have access to those memories. And so Doing it in this way, I find it such a sacred way to to do your healing because when I got to see again those memories, it, it was coming from a place of understanding already, of, of forgiveness, like it's almost automatically of forgiveness, of understanding that, you know, we're all here doing as best as we can with what we have in each moment because we are all carrying our own pain inside and so we're just projecting it out there in the world. So it was when I would see those memories again and remember everything that had happened, I was coming from a place of understanding that those people that abused me were in pain and they were just projecting it out, you know, to whomever would show up in in front of them. It wasn't about me, you know, the abuse and everything wasn't about me. It was, it was about where they were, you know, in life and just, we just crossed paths. So it, it was very interesting. It was a very interesting process because I didn't really pass through the bitterness and and all of that. The memory already came with the understanding. So it it was, I would say, I mean, it wasn't instantaneous, but it was was easier than I thought it would be. And and it's like I said, through my research on healing trauma, I understood, you know, the disorganization of the memories and all of that stuff that happens when you when you suffer trauma in, in childhood. The brain is still developing. So, you know, that stuff kind of gets to the background. Of course, the pain is there so much so that I needed to start drinking so early to kind of numb the pain. But when they started flourishing again and coming up, no, I didn't really had a phase of like bitterness or, you know, not non-understanding of, you know, what had happened to me. It was pretty mature. You know, I, I was coming from a very mature space of understanding that they were in pain, you know, and that's that's pretty much what it was. And they were trying to act as best as they could coming from the place of pain that they were coming from. That's amazing. And and, you know, our bodies have a memory. So how were you able to transcend the memory or process the memory in your body because it's a filter. Were you able to do that through your meditation and yoga practices? Mm-hmm. I, and I would say also that the practice that I practice today, that, that I got certified myself and, and that I do with my clients using sound, using acoustic sound to regulate the nervous system and release the stress, release the trauma, the tensions and all of that stuff 
I, I noticed that I have become more, less reactive to the environment around me. So I would say that working with sound uh, from pretty early in my healing journey, it was crucial for me to, to be able to hit this spot, you know, to, to be in this mature space. The sound really helps the body, the nervous system to eliminate this stuff in a, in a very natural way. Like I said, that you don't necessarily pass through the bitterness and none of that. It's a very mature type of healing that eliminating this stuff from your nervous system, you notice that you are less reactive. You know, you still observe the things that are happening on the external. You know, people want to act stupid or, you know, whatever it is that used to cause anger or whatever feeling within you. You notice that releasing the traumas, the stress, the tension, all this junk, all this weight from your nervous system, you are less reactive. This stuff still happens, but your inner peace, it's kind of unshakable, you know, like you are just grounded and way less reactive to what's happening on the external. And you are a certified sound therapist. Uh, what does that mean? I know you just explained a little just now, but what does that really mean? Yeah, so the type of sound that I use, uh, people are usually familiar with the singing bowls, like the crystal bowls or the, the Tibetan bowls. I use um, tuning forks. It's just like the tuning forks that people use to tune instruments. We yeah. use this, the, kind of the same style of fork. They're, they're longer, they're, they are bigger, because we are pretty much attuning and, and regulating the system around the body. So this electromagnetic system that we have around our body that influences everything within our body, our nervous system and our immune system, all the systems of our body are influenced by this field around of our bodies. We kind of attune this field using the tuning forks. So the sound is really pleasant, just the, the sound on its own, the frequencies are really pleasant. And it places your nervous system in a very, very profound state of relaxation, which is what your nervous system needs to be able to release whatever it is, the weight that is on your system, you know, the weight of memories, of trauma, of stress, whatever it is. I like to compare it like if you have a cut on your finger, you don't know consciously how to heal the cut. You need to provide a, a clean environment, a, a, you know, a proper environment for your body to do the healing of that cut. You don't know what's happening consciously. The body is reorganizing the cells and doing all the healing. Pretty much the same thing is what we are doing with the sound. We are providing for your nervous system a proper environment for the nervous system to do its own healing. Because the body knows the same way that it knows how to heal the cut. It knows how to eliminate the trauma, the stress, everything that's weighing on your nervous system that is influencing on your behavior. The, the body knows how to regulate itself and, and eliminate that stuff and bring itself back into balance, back into alignment. But it does need a proper environment to be able to do that healing, just like the cut. You're not going to keep the cut dirty, you know, let stuff go inside the cut. It doesn't work. you got to you know, pro, uh, provide for the proper environment and then the body does its thing. It's the same thing. The sound in your respiration, you know, you do a very relaxed breath. You are going to be giving the nervous system this clear signal that the environment is proper and now you are safe and it's okay to let go of all that junk. What's the origin of this sound therapy? Oh my gosh. So I've been like, this fascinates me. I could talk about this for like three <laughs> hours. <laughs> so 
sound, sound, and using sound for healing, it's like thousands and thousands of years ago. You know, they they would use instruments like, you know, roots of trees, like the didgeridoo. And there's like very ancient instruments that they would use for healing. The method that I used, it's called biofuel tuning. Um, This lady, Eileen McCusick, she came up with this method using the tuning forks. I think on the 80s, early, I think early or mid 80s, she started developing the method that is the tuning the biofield. Now, this whole thing about biofield, it's, it's, it's coming out and it's becoming more and more popular in between, you know, psychologists and neuroscientists and, you know, the healing people are kind of getting together because it has been like for so many centuries, we have kind of like compartmentalized, you know, healing. This person is specialized in this thing here and he doesn't know anything about anything else. And then this other person here, this other thing, but everything works together. We are a system, right? We are this living organism that all of these things that they treat separately, they work together, they influence each other. So they are kind of gathering and getting more and more together now to work as a whole, to work holistically in the body. So there's a lot of talk now about this biofield around the body. So this specific method that I use Eileen started developing in, in the 80s, I think like early 80s to mid 80s, but sound for healing, it's, my goodness, it's probably one of the oldest tools for healing that they have used. And how, well, you take your clients through this process, how long does this process usually take? Mm-hmm. I know it varies, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. It depends on, you know, where the person is at in their lives, you know, in the, at the moment. It depends on whatever it is that we are working on. We do work on a variety of different things, though, like, you know, um, physical, like chronic pain and, you know, digestive problems, insomnia. It's excellent for insomnia. Um, there's a variety of physical things that we really find relief through this method using sound. Also mental things. People notice because we release this stuff that gets triggered and makes us so reactive to the environment, people notice release on anxiety, depression, you know, a variety of different things. So usually the session goes about an hour and the person just lays down and just relax and just breathe like very relaxed, very calm to give that that clear message to the nervous system that the environment is okay, there's no threat, and just receive the sound. And the body does its own, its own process, its own healing. There is a variety of different ways that the nervous system uses to release this stuff. Like as we know, for instance, a very common way for the nervous system to regulate and adjust is by crying. Once we cry, we release whatever it is that's causing the tension and the the nervous system regulates itself and really release a lot of stuff on the crying. So you can, it's very common to cry in session or even like just watery eyes, even watery nose so that your nose can run a little bit. A lot of people yawn a lot. You can shake a little bit, feel like it's stretching and and stuff like that. And um And then I check in the next few days, how are you feeling? If we work through very dense memories, you know, information on the body, on the field, it has a possibility that the client might feel symptoms like detoxing symptoms. 
you know, almost like you have a cold or you are like kind of exhausted the next day or two or something like that. It can happen. It's not super common, but it can happen. If you're very sensitive and you are releasing like very dense stuff that was really weighing on your nervous system, you could feel that stuff. So I do a check in the next few days. If you need a kind of a quick adjustment, we do that too. And also we do a ton of sessions at a distance. Through Zoom, we don't even need the camera, just like that connection with the person, the person listen to the forks through Zoom and, and just lay down, put the headphones on, relax. It is pretty much the same thing. A lot of my clients uh, actually prefer to do it at a distance because if you come to see me, I have a massage table. You know, so you are laying there on that massage table. It's not like very familiar for you. You know, it's not like as cozy as your bed or your couch. So people like to be at home because of that, because of the, the feeling of safety in the house that you can lay down on your bed or, or your couch or whatever place that you have that you feel very comfortable and put on the headphones. And that's it. You just listen to the forks and the forks really take you away. Some people get into a state of trance. It's almost like they're sleeping. And then when they wake up, they feel like way lighter than they were on the beginning of the session. So it's very clear like that you can feel the benefits like even right after the session let alone like a few days after you totally notice that you're less reactive and more calm and centered so also on the beginning they tend to do sessions like weekly because you know you're new to the method there's a lot of density to be released there's a lot of stuff that had accumulated on the nervous system so we go weekly you know for as long as we feel the necessity to if you are noticing that you are already like very calm and very grounded and you don't see the need to do weekly, we start spacing them out. But this is like, you know, through a talk that we have, the client really pitching like, you know, how does he feel that the sessions could continue? And then he could go, you know, bi-weekly or once a month. I would say uh, uh, some sort of maintenance is important, even if you do every couple of months or something, whatever works for the person, because... On our everyday life, we are always, always storing more and more stresses and tension on the nervous system. Just because of things, you know, like traffic and, you know, this co-worker that kind of pisses you off. All of that stuff kind of gets stored in the nervous system. So if you don't do anything to do kind of a maintenance of the release of that stuff, it just keeps accumulating on top of the other things. So I would say some sort of a maintenance should be done even after, you know, we work, I don't know, for a period of maybe a few months or something like that, that we do weekly. Afterwards, they continue with something maintenance wise. It depends on each case. How can people get in contact with you for your services? So everything is on my website. I made it easy. I have social media links and everything there. I have a form that you can contact me directly. The website is Mayara, M-A-Y-A-R-A dash Souza, S-O-U-Z-A dot com. It's pretty easy. Mayara dash Souza dot com. What is your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? Mm -hmm. So it, getting out of the sound a little bit, kind of like get to know yourself, you know, if you are looking to heal, if you are on this journey of, you know, improving yourself and, and growing um, as a person, get to know yourself, get to know your triggers, get to know how your environment is affecting your interior, you know, like the way you feel, your emotions, 
because that's what's going to allow you to find freedom when you start realizing what are the things that are triggering you and then you're going to be able to see what is being triggered you know like stuff from childhood what is the wound that's being triggered i feel like knowing thyself i i couldn't give you a better advice i would say Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornoy.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.